0: Hello and welcome to the Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. This show is a collaborative effort between members of the Story Told, Bonus Experience, and Mage the Podcast. We're going to break down the basics of Exalted from its rules to its setting. I'm Chaz, Exalted writer and fan.
1: And I'm Monica, Exalted 3rd Edition supplement developer and lead mechanical developer for Exalted Essence.
2: I'm Terry, producer for the show and general Exalted outsider, and I'm here to learn about
0: the Mouse Salted. This is episode 13 Domain of Mele's Breath. Today, we're going to take a tour of the north. Before we jump in, it's worth noting that the boundary between the north and the northeast is a little fuzzy. I took a look at the map and made some executive decisions about where to draw the lines. Uh, If you don't like my decisions, at me about it, and I'll fight you.
2: (laughs) Start your own podcast.
0: (laughs) The key potentially northern locales and peoples that aren't in this episode, like Meadow and the Ice Walkers will be covered in our episode on the Northeast in a couple of episodes from now.
1: It's also worth reminding all of you that this is an overview. We can't get into the full details about every location. This is an hour-long show. (laughs) Please, we already take too long to record it anyway. Um, And we're trying to give an overall sense about the region and highlight cool things about some of the locations, as well as placing the various exalted in this direction. This is a top-level discussion on the setting so that new people who are really interested in this can pop into this episode and be like, oh, I'm kind of interested in running a game about the North. Let me listen to an hour's worth of audio and learn about it.
2: So what is the elemental or narrative theme of this region and how is it expressed?
0: So the elemental theme for the North is air. Um, the direction is dominated by the elemental pole of air um, off the edge of the world. And air and Exalted is not just associated with wind, but also cold infusing the north with a polar in our real world sense kind of chill
1: the narrative theme of this area is supernatural threats uh, survival and fatalism so it's totally the part of the setting where you get to be a Viking <laughs> or draw inspiration from like black metal or doom metal get get your Merc burg on. <laughs> Which sounded like I just made Muppet noises, but that's the name of another game. <laughs> Every time
2: you say it, I just want to say, oh my god, mark mark. Uh,
0: The north is also a place of fallen empires. Uh, there's particularly the influence of Bargash Kol, whose empire fell uh, in the first centuries after the Shogunate. He wielded the eye of Adakthon and ruled from a floating sky city. So you've got these really kind of cool, uh, very pulpy, exalted bits, but all of these empires are fallen.
1: It ties into that post-post-apocalypse thing that I particularly like.
0: Yeah, I think we've talked about that a couple of times. Very present here in the North.
1: Third edition also ramped up the conflict between the Realm and the Silver Pact in this area, which then immediately makes Lunars and Lunar characters more present in this part of the setting.
2: Yes. What are the key
0: geographic features
2: of the North?
0: So the north is divided into two regions by the White Sea. South of the White Sea is the more temperate northern peninsula. I don't think this large peninsula has a name, so I'm just going to call it that, the northern peninsula. This is home to most of the north's larger cities, and through proximity it has more ties to the realm and the rest of creation.
1: And north of the White Sea is the Wasting Tundra, which stretches towards the edge of creation. Climate here is more extreme, with glacial expanses and snow-capped peaks that mark the boundary of creation.
0: Beyond those mountains at the edge of the world, uh, as one approaches the pole of air, uh, the mountains rip up into the sky, so you have floating mountains, endless snowfields, and a churning sky of ice floating like icebergs in the Sea of the Wild. What are the key cities and cultures of the north?
1: So I'll start with my perennial favorite, the Haslani League, who are basically like a, a, a league of states who are united against foreign, which is to say anyone who's, you know, not them, domination and exploitation. They have cool tech. They got skyships and they got egg ships and they got crossbows in a world where not a lot of people have crossbows, <laughs> <laughs> or at least they did in a previous edition. I don't know if third edition kept that up.
0: I don't think it calls out the crossbows specifically but Mm -hmm. uh, at least in in the published material as of yet. But I know the skyships and ice ships are still a thing.
1: Yeah. In previous editions, it was like, they got crossbows and that's weird.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, there haven't been any crossbows anywhere else in the Exalted setting yet. So I I think they're going to keep their crossbow dominance.
1: I hope so.
2: And I just found the illustration on page 64 of Composite for Astro Directions, where it's a bunch of people screaming around a table just pointing at a crossbow. It looks like you can't have dessert until you eat your crossbow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what <laughs> cultural significance it has in the area.
1: They also have cool multi level cities to deal with the heavy snowfall. And if you take a look at the map, both Diamond Hearth and Crystal are Hislani League cities. In previous editions, they were backed by the Silver Pact, which no longer seems to be the case in 3, which is fine because this is part of that broadcast. Effort in third edition to empower mortal societies as agents of history rather than putting the exalted themselves behind every society. It's cool that these guys make crossbows on their own, I'm just saying. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, the Hislanti are also tied back to Bargash Cole's empire uh, in that they have some of the technology they developed are based on prototypes or designs that they recovered from the ruins of his empire, particularly the skyships. And uh, I also like pulling the Silver Pact away from them. I think they can be an, it could be an interesting Silver Pact ally, but they don't need to be made by the Silver Pact to take that role. They're already resisting the guild and the realm, so makes a natural ally. And then makes it more interesting for you to interact with them instead of just, like, already having that in your pocket if you're a lunar.
1: It's just cooler to have one bit of the setting where, like, no, these regular people are already doing all these things. They didn't need help with it.
0: And also, let's let's uh, highlight those skyships again, because <laughs> skyships. <laughs> skyships. <laughs> Yep, Uh, they are pretty much exactly what they sound like. One of the technologies that they developed is feather steel, which is very light steel, which they use to build the frames uh, for their skyships. And it lets them have air balloon skyships that sail over the northern clouds, which is very helpful in a region that is mountainous and frozen.
1: As a child, I watched a lot of Teddy Ruxpin, and so therefore I am obsessed with airships and have been since I was like four (laughs) (laughs)
0: who isn't obsessed with airships like (laughs) everyone should want this
2: my first thought when you said feather steel was like that during its development there was a tragic like memo accident and someone accidentally invented steel feathers which were just incredibly dense down pillows (laughs) 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 like this is literally the opposite of what i wanted but good work guys
0: (laughs) next up in the classic northern locations is white wall white wall is a crowded city guarded by magically infused walls that glow in the night giving the city its name the city is ruled by the syndics three gods of ice and silver who grant their power to protect the city from the many threats that the north poses the north broadly has a lot of fair folk and a lot of undead who hunt mortals across the region White Wall is in a place of particular danger, but the gods defend the city and protect their population.
1: White Wall is one of the locations, and I, I don't mean this as an insult, that has always felt really kind of D&D-ish to me. Like, I think if you the- were introducing people who had only ever played D&D to Exalted, White Wall is maybe a really great place to start. You have the city, it's got magic walls. It is beset on all sides by danger. It is protected specifically by gods. And you may as well hang a sign on it that says adventurers wanted," right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think you could really do a good ease people who have only ever played D&D to Exalted by like building a solar or outcast dragon-blooded party and then starting them in Whitewall and being like, let's learn about the setting through something that's very familiar.
0: It serves a lot of tropes as well because you have, the, while the walls protect from threats, if someone invites them in, they can pass the walls. So you can get into some of those dark bargain or the fair folk tricking you kind of things. Um, all all very neat.
1: Bouncing off of that to something else with a good, creepy, dark feel. Probably my other favorite location in the north proper is... Is it Gethamane? I think so. The chat can holler at me about my incorrect pronunciation several days later. Gethmane is this austere city that is in literally in a hollowed out mountain. And it's full of weird, old, discarded first age artifacts. Really feeling that post-post-apocalypse vibe. (laughs) Equally as important, it is also on top of a bunch of terrible underground horrors. (laughs) There's massive underground caverns that are divided by wood frames and hung cloth it is not actually haunted but it is strange and frightening uh, and lots of things down there will absolutely kill you it has uh sunless gardens that grow fungus from corpses this is dark fantasy to the max here i think and also i think a good starting place if your frame of reference for fantasy games is people who show up and fight monsters because there's plenty to fight here
0: (laughs) you can ease into very traditional fantasy tropes of exploring beneath the earth for lost treasures, fighting monsters in the darkness.
1: Death main is a dungeon with a city yep. on top, basically, inside a mountain.
0: There's also kind of a neat little detail where there is what the locals believe is a temple at the peak of the mountain with these beautifully carved rooms. And people who sleep there sometimes have uh, visions and they become priests uh, of this temple, Uh, even though the gods are are lost. And very occasionally, the dreams drive someone mad, and they flee the city, refusing to ever return. So again, just kind of neat weirdness.
1: Yeah, there's a plot hook, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, let's jump into some of the new places that have been added. One of the things that I liked about Third Edition's approach to the setting was adding more satrapies around uh, the the places that the realm controls. And the north in general has a lot of realm influence along the coast. But one of the new locations is Fajad. It's a, a satrapy of the realm and an extremely northern port that has uncharacteristically temperate climate due to whatever quirks of geomancy allow that. And it was once the gateway to the west where the realm ships would sail before sailing to the Western archipelagos, making it a a wealthy trade city. But in recent centuries, those trade routes have shifted, leaving the city kind of high and dry, so to speak. And one of the neat things there is that they have kind of their own unique take on religion, which is something I enjoy in the exalted setting, because there's a question of what is religion when the gods can show up? So it kind of has to do with your belief beyond just what the gods are as physical beings. And their religion believes in a transcendent god who welcomes souls to a religious paradise and communicates through prophets. And all of the prophets are like regular gods and spirits. So it's just kind of a neat take on religion in the exalted setting, I thought. There's also, again, kind of a neat pulpy element of a thousand foot tall basalt spire in the middle of the city that has a lunar sorcerer uh, on top of it. (laughs) And attempts by the Wild Hunt uh, have been entirely unsuccessful in dislodging him.
1: Can't imagine why.
0: (laughs) Since he otherwise leaves the city alone, the Dragonblooded have uh, seen fit to just leave him up there. Interesting.
2: So you're telling me that Sky Vikings could worship Ice Jesus yes okay with crossbows oh man jesus with a crossbow i'd be totally more interested in the new testament then okay anyway (laughs) you have my attention again
0: Uh, another one of the new satrapy locations uh, in the north is Numa, which is on the coast of the main northern peninsula. It has a, a fortress called the Nail of Truth, which is a great name for an ominous fortress.
1: It's a great name for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to call my spatula that.
1: That's my doom metal exalted cover band name.
2: Chaz, what's the Nail of Truth in your life?
1: I,
0: I don't know. I wish I could tell you, Terry. I wish I could (laughs) tell you. But in Exalted, it is a fortress of the Wild Hunt, under which they house prisoners, mainly Anathema, uh, being prepared for transportation to the Blessed Isle. So it's just kind of another one of those neat new realm locations that is seeded into third edition.
1: So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there have been some really interesting additions that indicate that the Wild Hunt doesn't just kill the Anathema they go after, that they in fact capture them. And so we have like now two Arkham Asylums. Yes. So yeah. that
0: actually goes all the way back to first edition. The idea that the Wild Hunt would try to capture the Anathema and bring them back to the Imperial Mounts into which they disappeared, never to be seen again. And third edition is highlighting where that happens.
1: So we also have the new location of Fortitude, which was a prison city of a fallen empire that believed criminality was inherited. (laughs) Oh boy. And so permanently locked away the families of criminals. Exalted, (laughs) the social structure is based on gangs who respect the rule of the strong. They believe the only way to cleanse themselves of the curse of their birth is to live a heroic life and die an epic death. What did I say about black metal? Yeah. Yeah. In the north, man. Uh, The city itself is a sprawl of unplanned walls built to hem in the growth of the imprisoned population. Beneath the city, a network of tunnels delves downward to extract valuable plants and gemstones to trade for necessities. And occasionally, Fortitude's Dark God drives an alliance of gangs to push outward on a rampage of conquest. Holy shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is probably the the most black metal location.
1: Yes. (laughs) The other two locations, I was like, this is really D&D. fortitudes. that's some fucking Warhammer nonsense right there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it is a neat place to get stuck. It is a neat place to be from as a background, potentially. It's a great place to look at power dynamics and social commentary. So I I, I enjoyed that one. Another new location is the mining city of Ascension in the far, far north that is sustained only through first age magic that, that keeps it warm and protected from the winds blasting off the peaks at the edge of creation. There's a massive pulley system that lifts miners up the mountain from ascension, where they carve into the stone to extract gemstones and metals, which they then send back across the wasting tundra to trade to to the rest of creation. the whole thing is beset by air elementals and and strange things living deep in the mines. And uh, again, very pulpy, Very leaning into the fatalism aspect of the the North's narrative
1: elements. Nice, nice. So back to classic locations, but still ones relative to the realm. There is also the the city of Cherak, which was once a rival to the early realm and Lookshai as a successor to the Shogunate, but uh, that was stopped by Bagrash Cole, annexed by the realm, and split up to lesser satrapies. There are a whole bunch of first-age weapons there that were looted by the realm and turned to agricultural use, which is quite... The visual. <laughs> yep. I, I yep. imagine
0: War Strider pulling a plow.
1: <laughs> pulling a plow, yeah. Or some other like thing that's just meant to chew up an army that's now tilling a field <laughs> but it is controlled importantly by house ferrum which is now a dragon-blooded cadet house of the dynasty they still hold the military tradition and they want to reunite the, the wider region once again under grand charrick and then be able to claim its house as a great its status as a great house there's a really good interesting outcast dragon-blooded background there too
0: i think one of the things that i've seen about the way that uh, dragon blooded outside the blessed isle have been pitched in third edition and while charak's a classic location it's been revisited for third edition is that they make both good antagonist factions and protagonist factions depending on how you want to frame it and what perspective you're you're showing so what interesting or notable historical events have happened in the north the big one is the Kingdom of Bargash Kol, forming after the contagion, where Bargash Kol discovered the Eye of Autocon, which is a MacGuffin relic that dates back to Atochthan itself, and used the artifact's power to forge this empire until things went wrong and his sky city fell out of the sky and the realm took influence in the region.
1: And so more recently, of course, we have the rise of the Hislanti League to resist outside domination, which interestingly are using the stuff that that empire, that collapsed empire left behind.
0: Yeah, I like that the His- Hislantis seem like a very hopeful coalition in what is otherwise a fairly dark region of creation. Yeah,
1: they have significantly less monsters living under their city. <laughs> the other big
0: northern historical event is the rise of the bull of the north and we're going to be talking about that next time in the episode on the northeast because that's the direction he's gone
2: what resources or exports does the north produce like what like material stuff comes out of it or what would a character go there to
1: get there's obviously going to be crafted goods and trade goods from places like white wall and hislani and then gemstones and precious metals could be talked about mining from fortitude and ascension you of course have All the lost relics and artifacts and weird shit that's frozen under the earth somewhere. All of that. I don't know if you count that as an exportable resource.
0: I I think in Exalted you do.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, you said what would people go there to get? And so that, there you go. XP. (laughs) Get experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exalted is now played by OD&D rules and you have to be able to get your gold back to civilization in order to increase your essence. So you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the North.
2: <laughs> that was like zero edition D&D, right? Where it's like, you don't need to kill stuff, but you need to steal the shit out of it.
1: D&D facts.
0: So another aspect of the North that... that has been de-emphasized in third edition is that the realm takes a lot of slaves from the north in second edition the coast the southern coast of the northern peninsula was called the slave coast and there were lots of satrapies there that had to pay their tribute to the realm in slaves so if that is an aspect uh, that you want to shine a light onto uh, the north is a, is a place that you can do that
2: uh, so what interesting characters live in the north
1: you know, I'll start at the bottom, actually, and highlight the One Awesome Exorcists, because I think they're new. They are. Uh, they're new and they're really cool. Uh, they're a, a dragon-blooded family and they are what they say on the tin. They're exorcists. They're the fucking Ghostbusters. There's a whole lot of terrible things. Undead, ghosts, Shadowlands, Fair Folk. They, they have their work cut out for them.
0: <laughs> they have a reputation as being the, the best exorcists in the North. Uh, which is an in-demand job skill Uh, and it gives you kind of a a neat dragon-blooded family where you don't have to deal with the politics of the realm and can have some wandering heroes of the death lords um one of them we've put on the northern side of the north -North northeast divide the lover clad in the raiment of tears who we referred to as the fuck ghost rules the shadow land called the veil of dust and shadows from the Fortress of Crimson Ice. Again, these uh, black metal album name locations are just great. In 2nd Edition, this place was an internal ghost orgy. I suspect we'll do something different in 3rd Edition.
1: 3rd Edition has successfully been significantly less horny on Maine, and I appreciate that. (laughs)
0: I know I talked about in the Abyssals episode, making her kind of more like a witch queen of the North, using her sorcery to manipulate the civilizations around her into, into murdering each other. I think you could go that direction very easily with the lover and not be as bad.
1: Everything about the lover from previous editions is hilarious in a bad way and extremely sexist. <laughs> we also have the spider king, Almashtara, who I believe is also new. Yep who dwells in the Mountain of the Spider King, which is which is truly a power move, calling yourself the Spider King and then naming the place you live in after yourself, <laughs> who offers refuge to the dispossessed and raids the realm, the realm trade routes, along the Black Shale Road, which I'm not sure where that is. Chaz, where is the Black Shale Road? <laughs>
0: The Blackshell Road is along the northern part of that northern, or of the peninsula, between Gethemenay <laughs> and Grieve, which is uh, one of the new locations we didn't talk about during our overview. Our uh, yeah. One of the other cool characters who lives in the north is Regara, oldest living child of the Scarlet Empress and founder of House Regara. While he is retired, he lives in Numa and is sustained only by the remnants of an anathema soul, that he has been slowly drinking from his diaclave, Blood Zenith. And he's kind of a neat as a retired once contender for the heir to the Scarlet Empire.
1: Blood Zenith is also a black metal album name.
0: What interesting creatures, natural
2: or supernatural, or like monsters and gods and shit, live here? We didn't add gods.
0: Is that worth talking about? Yeah, uh, actually... This is one that we missed in the characters uh, because we, we did them out of order to our outline. Yeah, in the north, they revere the twin gods of war, uh, Voharun the battle crow, and Nasamara, the falcon of glory. And I just wanted to call them out because we often don't talk too much about the gods and, and these seemed neat. And also, Falcon of Glory and Battle Crow are right on point for our black metal theme. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I-, I believe Falcon of Glory and Battle Crow are the lead singer and the guitarist for either The Citadel of Crimson Ice or Blood Zenith. One of those is an album title and one of those is the band name.
2: <laughs> so is Fuck Ghost the cover band or is that a track?
1: It might be just a track. The I- track is actually endless ghost orgy but fans call it fuck ghost
2: okay right. that's good Th-
0: that that's you. on the album veil of dust and shadows veil, yeah.
2: the shit writes itself i don't know why you need so many authors
0: <laughs> for exalted
2: <laughs> <laughs> what interesting creatures natural or supernatural live
0: there uh, well we've already mentioned the fair folk and the dead uh who are both pervasive across the north The dead are a mix of ghosts and reanimated corpses that harry the living. And the fair folk are kind of lean into the fair folk of kind of modern conception of being beautiful and
1: terrifying
0: and terrifying and kidnapping mortals to eat their souls. So they're both uh, pervasive threats across the north. When you said Harry, I immediately thought, like, you have the thing where it's like,
2: oh, we're being harried by this, like, raider kingdom, but in modern context, like, the third definition is to persistently annoy, and I just picture the Fair Folk being like, you should lose ten pounds, smile more, <laughs> and then just, like, <laughs> nagging everyone in the North and being like, I really don't like those Fair Folk. <laughs> they have the ability to mutate the human mind and our sense of self, and I don't like either of those. Um, <laughs> Do you have a favorite, Monica?
1: The only thing I can remember off the top of my head is the fucking Vodak, which I hope is not in third edition.
2: <laughs> What's the Vodak?
1: It was a forum meme back before memes were really called that, where one of the authors or developers typoed Vodka. And then someone decided it was the monster that's underneath Gethamane. Oh, okay. It's a fandom meme, and it should go away. Vodak
2: if- I'm going to say my favorite are the mice of the sun. The creatures of Exalted are generally understandable. So whenever we're doing a topic, I can actually look through those. And they're amazing. They're just mice that have received the favor of the unconquered sun. They're the unconquered mice. And occasionally, if you're a good Solar Exalted, one will be like... I'm with you. And they have like fucking badass stats. They can lay down some pain (laughs) as a mouse. They have like five dots in conviction. And and then it includes, not only do they have five dots in conviction, but there's a little thing that's like, cannot be swayed from their purpose. I'm like, wow, I wish I could be as cool as this mouse.
1: I see that you want me to talk about interesting, because Mice of the Sun, I believe have an entry in essence currently. And the interaction between the Mice of the Sun and the way anima effects work in essence which is that the mouse of the sun if it is your solar's familiar get to use the solar's anima effect and the dawncast iconic anima effect lets them dispatch their essence in trivial targets every turn and makes route checks on battle groups even harder and increases dice of damage against battle groups which makes the mouse especially effective at fighting armies <laughs>
0: The North also has unicorns. They're dangerous and beautiful creatures of the wild falling in line with our Fair Folk as a threat theme. Also unicorns. They might murder you.
1: Perfect. I'm glad that the unicorns harken back to like actual unicorn myth where they might fucking kill you. Oh, we forgot about my friend, Mount Mostath.
0: (laughs) Your friend? (laughs) Tell us about your friend.
1: (laughs) My friend, Mount Mostath, who's just a living mountain. I always imagine it as like, that one Pokemon that's like a woolly mammoth, but like a thousand feet tall. is is literally just like a mountain that's alive, wandering around. Terry has noted that it had 301 health levels. It shouldn't have been stated up at all, in my opinion.
2: <laughs> oh no, uh- this is exalted. You need to stat up mountains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and the the art is is definitely i i see how you can uh I picture it as mamoswine as a mountain because yes. the, the art is a mountain with giant tusks
2: i do like that it has 50 soaking d- dice against lethal and 100 against bashing that is five exalted of dice
1: <laughs> i never actually had a character make friends with mount Mostaf. it's just my friend personally i, I figured Me. that's what
0: yeah, yeah. Me, the
2: author <laughs> yeah And it's pretty great because like isn't Mostad's superpower that he can like summon glaciers at a hundred miles a year and it just fucks up everything in the way.
1: You know, it's been a minute. I'm not sure I ever read Mount Mostath's write-up because I was like, why would you stat up Mount Mostath? It's supposed to be just like a thing that's there, impossible to deal with, just walking (laughs) along and that's a problem. Like (laughs) And immediately
2: I'm like, holy shit, this is exalted. They need stats for mountains.
1: Just being a friend. It could be a friend. You don't have to fight it.
2: I think my favorite, though, hands down, are the ice weasels. I don't remember what
0: the deal is with ice weasels. Are you going to eliminate us?
2: So one, I love all mustelids because there's na- their nature's attempt to answer the question of what is the murderious shape that I can come up with? with? And the answer is a fanged tube. <laughs> um... <laughs> And the ice weasel picture just shows, like, an ice weasel with, like, a dead guy in its jaws with that, like, look like when a cat catches a mouse and looks at you and goes, huh? You want some? It's pretty good. Got it for you. And this is, like, a dead guy. Um... (laughs) The other thing about it is uh, it's about three feet tall at the shoulders. I assume the withers in this case, and they can be uh, 10 feet long, which I assume about half of that is tail, if it has a similar tail ratio as either a stoat, a marten, or a mink. And if that's the case, that makes it about the size of a brown bear, which comes out to between 500 and 700 pounds. Sorry, a black bear. If you maintain the ratio of what a stoat can kill, to the size of the stoat and inflate that for the ice weasel like if you maintain that ratio that means an ice weasel can take down easily an african elephant
1: <laughs> that is, that, well, that tracks. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah there are breaking. woolly mammoths in the north and so they they probably hunt their young
1: Maybe Mount Mostaf doesn't like walking near where ice weasels are. <laughs> exactly. It's like, like, what do you think I am?
2: Stupid. Those things will kill me. Oh, <laughs> Just all these like weasels like gnawing at it. Like, <laughs> I also think there's a strangely weird flex in compass of terrestrial directions the north because they indicate that the uh, great eagles have identical stats to the matagalapan warhawks same traits as the matagalapan warhawks which it lists as in Conference of celestial terrestrial directions volume three and despite the fact that there is clearly space to include their stats at the end like the stat block for all the creatures only takes up like two-thirds of the page they're like no get this other brook if you want bird stats eat it chaz and i picture I like uh... chaz being disappointed by that
0: Well, I did find that particularly obnoxious in second edition, not because I didn't have all the books, but because I hated having so many page references to other books as I was reading. I had a a great moment in my solar campaign bringing in one of the mice of the sun. The night cast felt particularly ignored by the unconquered sun. Uh, Because she had been a member of the Wild Hunt and murdered the family as bait of the solar who bore her exaltation before her while she was working for the Wild Hunt. And so ended up with that exalted soul and was very conflicted about it and felt that it was a curse more than a blessing. And after kind of a really intense series of moments for her where her character was put in peril and, and her worldview was shaken, I gave her one of the mice of the sun that just showed up and it was just a really cool moment being like, Oh no, wait, the unconquered sun really is watching over me and blessing me. And now and, I need to do better. And the mouse um, just went for her eyes. <laughs> I, I don't think the players have realized how, how, uh, how versatile and powerful this mouse is that they're, they're just viewing it as like, Hey, nice mouse buddy. Um, <laughs> eight dice on read intentions
2: holy shit that's a mouse that could see through your soul i'm uncomfortable (laughs) with that (laughs) like that should be a meme find someone who stares into your eyes and understands you as well as the mouse of the sun (laughs) (laughs) do you have any stories that you would like to run in the location or have run in the north
0: the north is one of the directions where i have not Run an exalted game. And I think it would be really great for a, a kind of pulpy wandering heroes game where you spend a little bit of time in a lot of different places and don't need to worry so much about kind of a big picture continuity because you can have two or three sessions in, say, Gethsemane and then move on to somewhere else and deal with a different problem. And I think the survival and and fatalism and, and black metal aspects of the North all make that an appealing campaign type. Also, I have a concept for a penguin lunar. <laughs> Chaz wins.
2: That's very good. We're done. That's very
1: good. Like I talked about earlier, I I really exhausted all my ideas when I was running 2nd Edition constantly. And so now that I'm like faced with the opportunity to run games again, I'm like, wow, that, that that well dried up some time ago, my friends. I do like the idea of perhaps getting a new group together, maybe after Essence comes out, and teaching them how to play Exalted by starting them to ease people who have only ever played D&D, and especially 5th like Edition, because there's a lot of people out there, and getting them into the flow of how exalted works through an adventurers wanted type story started in either whitewall or gethamine or one and then the other just just that like classic adventure fantasy idea and doing it here in this game in those two settings seems pretty fucking cool
2: I like the idea of the Hislanti League. There aren't a lot of mesoscale hopeful things in Exalted. Like there are little towns that are free now and they're rediscovering their heritage or teaching children to read and the Lunars and the Solars are together again and they're teaching children to read or something (laughs) like that to to become beastmen. The idea of there being a place in creation that's like maybe not all shit bad and people get along temporarily but have to deal with uh, the White Walkers. I mean the dead. I really like that. The idea that like, there is <laughs> there's this strangely progressive area of creation that needs to be protected. That seems fun.
1: Yeah, they've always been a, a favorite of mine. Mostly because of the airships, but also because <laughs> yeah. of what you just mentioned. Come for
2: the airships. <laughs> Stay for participatory democracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll add it to our systematic understanding of everything merch. Yeah.
2: And with that, uh, anything else on the North before we
0: roll out? Where are we going next,
1: where are we going next?
0: Next uh, episode, we are going to be taking a look at kind of a rules overview look at Exalted, talking about the basic systems, how you build dice pools, how stunts work, uh, that kind of stuff, as the characters that Monica and Terry created last episode uh, are thrown into the beginning of a situation. So we will use those characters to explore the rules and systems of Exalted 3rd Edition.
2: Chaz, where can we find out what you're up to?
0: I am still producing the Fall of Giara, a dragon-blooded actual play. So if you want to see how I run exalted, you can go listen to me on the Story Told podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter as @storytoldchaz and fight with me about distinctions between the north and northeast. And Monica, where can we find out what you're up to?
1: You can listen to me talk more generally about game design and my opinions on things that happen on Twitter <laughs> on Bonus Experience, which you can find at bxpcast.com or on Twitter at BonusExpCast.
2: And you can find out what I'm up to at Terry Robinson on Twitter or listen to me rail about a magic system that I'm in love with, but I also can't leave on Mage the Podcast, com.
1: Oh, I forgot to drop my personal Twitter. Eh, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at ZenithSun. I wouldn't advise it.
2: Thank you for listening to Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. Go to exaltcast.com to subscribe, see our show notes, or listen to our past episodes. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Anchor.fm. If you have a question, shoot us an email at questions at exaltcast.com. If you'd like to support our show, please consider using the affiliate links in our show notes to make purchases on DriveThruRPG and thestorytellervault.com. The opening theme is Return of the Solar Exalted, and the closing theme is the Sidereal Exalted Lesser But Safe from Fanfare
0: for the Chosen by James Simple and is used with permission.
2: In the meantime, exalt strong.